Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Humpty Calderon, and today we are talking to FrogMonkey, core contributor at Bankless DAO. We start our discussion with a brief look back at the genesis of the DAO, and then explore how the mission of the DAO has led to wonderful experimentation that has facilitated tremendous growth over the past few months. We wrapped the conversation by observing both challenges and opportunities on the horizon for DAOs and how Bankless DAO is preparing to deal with them. Let's get started. A little bit about myself. Uh, I am pseudonymous, and so some of my backstory will be uh, obfuscated, but um, I learned about crypto for the first time in 2016. Um, you know, I started reading up about Bitcoin. I uh, didn't know that Ethereum was a thing. And um, I got to the point where I was just having so much fun thinking about what a uh, sort of peer-to-peer money technology could look like that um, I sort of like, you know, invented Augur in my mind. That was sort of like the first use case that kind of came to me. And like, I used to have just, uh, you know, diagrams and paper just like pinned up on my wall. And I would just like think about this stuff nonstop. Um, but I was in college at the time, life got in the way, uh, kind of dropped off my radar um, up until sort of late 2017, right before the ICO bull market. And I had a friend who was doing some sort of freelance work uh, in the crypto space over the summer and was sort of disillusioned with school and uh, kind of wanted to turn his um, sort of part-time gig into uh, a full-time company. And uh, I had already had a job lined up in college. Another one of my friends was a high school dropout, and he was running a company. And so we kind of put our heads together, and I thought it would be like a pretty fun sort of thought experiment for, um, or like a, a fun way to sort of pass the time while I, you know, finished up college. And... Um, you know, then the money started rolling in and, uh, you know, I got really invested into the space and got pulled down the rabbit hole. And I, I made this decision to, okay, I'm going to not accept this job and I'm just going to fully dive down the crypto rabbit hole. Um, and we did. And so I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, first time running a company, you know, I was the oldest person on the team at like, you know, 21, 22. So, uh, we made a lot of mistakes and about a year and a half in, we had to shutter the company. Um, and I just kind of got burned out from from crypto. I got burned out from you know being in the space. Uh, I ended up heading over to a uh, Bay Area SaaS company for about a year and a half. I worked there as a writer. Um, but as with most things in crypto, it's you know once you get into the space, it's really hard to get out. Uh, and so about a year and a half into this company, I just kind of got bored of the work that I was doing, even though it was like super technical and super interesting and sort of um, on the cutting edge of cloud technology, it wasn't the same as crypto. And so I was basically getting up or gearing up to quit my job and just do some freelance writing, 
or freelance technical writing for projects like Uniswap and Parity and Hardhat. Um, but just around when I was about to make that switch, Bankless now launched. I spent about a week in the Discord and just the amount of like enthusiasm energy, um, you know, that was like, that was a signal for me, right? And then I spent a week in the Discord and May, May 11th, uh, a week after, um, Bankless now launched, I like, I basically just quit my job. I was like, Hey, you know, uh, my, my, ba- my boss kind of knew that this was, uh, coming down the road, but, um, yeah, I took the leap of faith and my life has really not been the same since. That's incredible. Um, thank you for sharing all that. I think it gives us a good framing both to, you know, how people can look at work differently, whether they're heading into college or just graduating college and making decisions that maybe weren't available to them before and work that's more fulfilling to them uh, because it's either more closely aligned to what they're interested in or more challenging. And it sounds like you kind of took on uh, a little bit a little bit of all of this, uh, both in starting your new business and in diving into the crypto rabbit hole. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, being early. So May is definitely early in terms of Bankless DAO. What did the DAO look like back then? Because it may not seem like a long time ago, but even for myself coming in, I believe late June, I feel like I missed out on a lot uh, of what was going on early here on Discord and in terms of the way that the DAO was getting built out. So can you give us maybe a peek into the past, a history lesson about what was going on in the DAO in the early days? Yeah, definitely. And again, this is just just my perspective, um, you know, back in like May, but I'd say um, the number one thing that stood out to me was the energy right? The energy, the enthusiasm, and the really blue sky thinking. Um, Bankless Down Now looks very different than what it did six months ago. We have a lot more infrastructure in place. We have processes and procedures and governance frameworks and coordination units. We have projects and guilds and, uh, you know, committees and, you know, all this stuff didn't exist, right? And there was, it was just a bunch of people that aligned with the Bankless mission um, and were enthusiastic about being a part of the DAO, right? Some were part of their first DAO, um, or many were part of their, I think this was their first DAO. Others have been, you know, on the, the periphery, um, and, and even fewer had actually been involved with DAOs. And so this was like just a grand experiment, um, for sort of coordinating, uh, this sort of digital organization built around tokens and, and blockchain. Um, and those first few, you know, first few weeks, this first sort of month and a half was just a lot of fun. Um, it didn't feel like we were working. It felt like we were trying to build something new and innovative. Um, and we had a lot of, you know, important discussions around how are we going to coordinate? How are we going to organize? How are we going to govern ourselves? What are our priorities? What is our mission and vision? What do we align around? And asking those sort of like fundamental questions and foundational questions was just really exciting because we knew that we were going to build on top of those uh, answers and we were going to build something big. And so I think there was just a lot of um, excitement, enthusiasm, and and sort of aligned 
movement towards um, what we all thought and wanted Bankless DAO to turn into. And I think we see, um, actually not think, we definitely see the the results of that in what Bankless DAO looks like now, right? The fact that we have builds, the fact that we have a, a grants committee, that we have this sort of proposal framework, the, 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 the fact that we try to align around education, media, and culture as a way to spread um, the, the bankless message. All of that happened in just the first month, month and a half. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say like sort of summing up my answer here, the, the energy and enthusiasm was just off the charts. And I think now we've, um, for, for those of us who were present in those early weeks, I think we've kind of moved past the honeymoon stage and realize that we in those weeks we've truly built something um that has legitimacy and that has wheels and now we're in this sort of building phase of okay we've figured out sort of our like foundational building blocks how do we maintain those building blocks and how do we grow on top of them and i think that's where we are now yeah, thank you. That is incredible. And thanks so much for the history lesson. Um, I took away three words from your um, you know, description there. The first one is mission. The other one is experimentation. And the third one is fun. And I think a lot of times, at least in my personal experience, there is a lot of fun because people are really playing with ideas. Uh, and seeing really what works. Uh, they're maybe collaborating in this way for the very first time. Uh, they're trying to build something that is maybe innovative, but doesn't have to be. Uh, but they're experimenting also with how things could work differently. But the one thing that I've seen uh, not be necessarily emphasized early, which I think is hugely important, for the reasons that you described too, is developing a mission. And I think personally, the reason why I believe that, and the reason why I think that's just generally true, is if you don't have a clear mission, people don't necessarily know what you're about, and they don't know if that's necessarily something that aligns with them. But when you have a very clear values and missions to drive the organization, I think it could help with uh, organizing people and really working towards common goals. So can you describe that moment when those discussions were happening to create that mission? And was there an inspiration from somewhere else to inform that mission? Yeah, so let me, um, let me first back up and talk about why missions are so powerful in the Web3 ecosystem and how they differ from missions in sort of the Web2 um, traditional sort of off-chain companies. So there's two things here. One is um, in Web3, your sort of core coordination unit is a community, right? These projects, Bankless DAO, Uniswap, Synthetics, um, you know, like, DAO, they're all built around communities. And these communities are not like they're not companies, right? They're not 
jobs. They they aren't they don't have like traditional sort of hiring pipelines and consistently staffed and paid positions. And so, in order to grow your community, you need to really um, you need to have people that are there for the right reasons. And if you don't have that, then your community is just destined to fail because you won't be moving towards a shared vision, right? And that's why like this, you know, having your mission and vision in place has to be your North Star because if people don't like that, they have no incentive to stay, right? They, they don't have a salary position with benefits, with time off. Like that stuff doesn't, that type of um, incentive is rare in the DAO ecosystem. And so, and that's why it's so incredibly important to like make sure you have a clear mission and vision and attract and retain the people that align with those things. Um, as for where we sort of got our mission and vision from, um, I think a lot of that was helped by the fact that, you know, Bankless Dial was a spinoff of Bankless HQ and they've been uh, very cognizant and have placed a lot of emphasis around shared values. Um, and so it's very easy to sort of have this discussion of, you know, here are what we think the shared values, um, having like being bankless subscribers are. What does our mission and vision look like? Um, when we talk about those shared values. And so we basically just borrowed heavily from our perception of bankless HQ, you know, the, the podcast and the newsletter. And that's what we built our mission and vision around. That's good. So. Let's pretend I'm new and I don't know what Bankless DAO is. What is the relationship or what was the relationship initially uh, between Bankless HQ then spinning up Bankless DAO? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, to clarify, Bankless HQ, Bankless LC, whatever you want to call it, that is the newsletter and podcast that is run by uh, Ron, uh, Ryan Sean Adams and David Hoffman. Um, Bankless DAO is the steward of the Bankless brand, just kind of how I like to view it. Um, and so we sort of, we as a DAO sort of encompass um, Bankless HQ, but they just exist as a node within our ecosystem. Granted, they are a very large node that has a lot of influence and a lot of sway, um, but they are still like under the umbrella of Bankless DAO. And they operate independently, right? They they run their own shop. Um, they're over time they've been plugging into the DAO um, more and more. But one of the things that they were very cognizant of when they launched the DAO is that, hey, you know, we as sort of the founders of Bankless HQ um, definitely have a lot of influence in the types of decisions that the DAO will make. And so they made a very conscious effort to step back and say, hey, we're not going to be involved with this, right? We we started this thing. We built this brand. We built this community. Now we want you to decide where it goes next. And so they started the DAO and they just kind of backed off and did their own thing, right? They, they continued with the newsletter. They continued with the podcast. Uh, and they let us sort of thrive and grow without much direction or leadership. Which I think was the right way to do it because um, that is sort of true decentralization, right? Uh, and, and they are very much sort of decentralization maxis. They didn't try to influence the way the DAO was going to grow. They let us build ourselves up 
to where we are now. And the ultimate goal is like, you know, we want to be bigger than Bankos HQ. We want our media network, our ecosystem, our, our suite of products and services and tools and, you know, all the things that we've been building to dwarf Bankless HQ. And I don't think that's out of the question. That's, I mean, I think that that's interesting for several reasons. Um, so the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is in terms of like growing and scaling, there's definitely a lot more opportunities if you choose to do it as a DAO. The reason for it is, you know, people want to participate. They want to contribute to something that is bigger than themselves, something that's going to make an impact. and you know, going back to something you mentioned just moments ago, there's a brand that already existed, the Bankless brand. And there's a lot of weight to that brand based on the number of uh, either projects or you know, like podcasts and newsletters and blogs that have been uh, produced and distributed over, you know, X amount of years, however many years. But people associate education, learning, um, and, you know, with, in terms of like Bitcoin and Ethereum and DeFi to bankless, like a lot of people's like first foray into, you know, learning about this ecosystem, it's probably through them. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, they chose to, uh, I guess, bring that, that weight, that value to the DAO, but then allowed the DAO to kind of roll along and uh, develop systems and processes on their own uh, in a decentralized way. But going back to my point in terms of like some of the things that you can gain by uh, extending, you know, that brand as a DAO is the ability to grow and scale. But probably more importantly is the ability to diversify the perspectives, right? Because I think if you have a small team, let's assume that it's only Ryan Sean Adams and David Hoffman that are directing the vision of that project, well, that's a pretty narrow perspective. Regardless of their uh, world experience, there's only so much of it that can inform the project. But as a DAO, you have a global community that can impact the uh, way that we choose to educate people, right? So that's one of the things that's most interesting to me. And I do see that here in the DAO in terms of, and, and I should clarify here at the Bankless DAO, in terms of the type of uh, contributions or contributors more specifically, and the diversity of the projects that people are taking on. So can you talk, maybe uh, informed by that, about some of the cool projects that are uh, being developed within the DAO uh, today? So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will try to highlight projects that I think sort of stretch the idea of what Bankless really is into sort of like varying directions. Um, cause there are a lot of cool projects, but just going back to what you were talking about, sort of like diversity of thought. Um, I, I want to sort of hone in on projects that I think sort of stretch our uh, conception of, of what it means to truly be bankless. Um, so the, the one that sort of immediately comes to mind is DaoPunks. So DaoPunks is an NFT project um, started by CryptoBushi, uh, who, you know, he didn't really intend to, from my understanding, didn't intend to sort of create this uh, like DaoPunk series or, um, you know, NFT community. He was just an artist that, um, whose art resonated with people within the DAO. 
And he eventually built a sort of like following and community within the DAO to the point where he wanted to uh, sort of take that enthusiasm and um, sort of turn it into a very dedicated NFT community. And so what he focused on was this idea of like going from a, a, a corporate rat to DAO punk, right? That's sort of the framing. It's like going from your traditional off-chain nine to five boring, you know, life-sucking, you know, unenthusiastic um, world to transitioning into this sort of beautiful world of DAOs where, um, you know, it's owned by the people. There's uh, a, a healthy culture, healthy community um, where you truly feel empowered to do the best work by by your peers and not by leaders or bosses. And that like resonated with so many people to the point where now it exists as its own project, right? It has its own community. Many of those members were seated by Bankless DAO, but many of them aren't. Um, and so I think like sort of that's one project that, and, and just to sort of show the success of that is like, you know, they, they did a, um, they did a NFT sale of like 1,111 DAO punks. Um, they had like a whitelist and a public list and like it sold out on the, the pre-sale, right? Um, just kind of goes to show like how enthusiastic people were about that, um, that, that message. Um, and that's also reflected in the way that they want to grow their community, right? They like are not just taking the proceeds of that and distributing it to the, um, you know, to the, the artists, but, but they're taking a large chunk of that and, using it to fund a treasury where they can do this like grant program. And this is sort of still in the works, but the idea is like, let's sort of subsidize people to go from this corporate off-chain world into the world of DAOs. Um, so I think that is like a really strong example of people carving out their own specific vision of what it means to go bankless and building these sort of like sub-communities around it um, and galvanizing um, activity. The other, an, another project that comes to mind is um, international media notes, right? So one thing that I think all of us are like fairly aware of is that um, the crypto community is fairly sort of US centric and more broadly than that, it's very Western, right? Um, and so this whole like international media node um, project is let's, take the content and the teachings and the lessons and the the values of bankless and let's build let's let's seed our own communities you know in india in china in brazil in um you know iceland wherever and um try to build our own sort of regional geographic uh communities and like that's not a novel idea but it's really hard to do when you don't have a community backing you right if you're just as one person that is like i'm going to translate all this stuff and but try to start my own community that is really really hard to do unless you have um a a broader community that you can plug into for resources for labor for funding for support um and so really excited to sort of see that take off yeah, so those are sort of like two. I mean, do you want me to keep going on? No, I don't think you necessarily need to uh, talk about all of them. I think really just to paint a picture um, in terms of like how we are, um, I guess, engaging the community 
to um, to to participate and to contribute into this ecosystem, really informed by a diverse perspective. And I think you you really pointed out two interesting projects there, and I think both of them actually are talking about similar things, and that is culture. So maybe we can uh, explore that a little bit in terms of like culture uh, as a uh, as, I guess as part of the mission of Bankless DAO and how some of these projects, like the ones you've mentioned with DAO punks trying to go uh, help people go from corporate rats to DAO punks and that being kind of an element of culture. And then in terms of like uh, bringing or, 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 or sharing the perspective of peoples across the world into, you know, what did it means to be bankless? What, I guess, so as part, let's maybe define more clearly the mission of Bankless DAO and then explore culture in the DAO. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, like, in order to understand culture, you need to understand the mission and the vision, right? So um, the mission of Bankless DAO is to help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover uh, sort of decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. That is our mission. I read that off of page in case it wasn't obvious. Um, our vision for what it means to be bankless is to live in a world where anyone with an internet connection has access to the financial tools they need to achieve financial independence. That is fairly loose and flexible, right? It's not a clear definition of um, like, this is exactly what it means to go bankless, right? Like, what is, what is financial independence mean, right? What are financial tools? Are NFTs financial tools? Maybe. Maybe not. But that's the beauty of having a, um, sort of a, a loosely defined North Star is that, um, you will eventually have people break up into these smaller sub communities for how they interpret that mission and vision. Uh, and so, you know, what Bankless India looks like might be different than what, you know, Bankless France looks like. And that's fine because we still have a somewhat um, sort of organized North Star for the mission and vision. But how that breaks down into either regional communities or, um, you know, sub-communities around NFTs, sub-communities around DeFi, sub-communities around, like, you know, DAOs. That's, that's totally fine. And I think that informs culture as well, right? Because, you know, we have this strong unifying culture of wanting to help people go bankless. But again, as that breaks down into separate communities or these separate subsections, um, that will create their own type of unique culture. And I think like we as a DAO have done our best to create a very sort of inclusive and friendly and opening and helpful and, you know, uh, very much like a rising tide lifts all boats culture. But how that breaks down into, say, like individual guild culture or within projects, um, that's flexible and that will grow and change with with time. So I wonder, based on just that last bit that you shared in terms of, you know, being flexible um, and, you know, in terms of like, so I guess, the framework or the direction that you uh, provide to 
the DAO in general, and then to the guilds and so on and so forth as you start diving deeper into the uh, architecture of the DAO. What, I guess, what, what are your thoughts in terms of like flexibility and rigidity in terms of, I guess, these North Stars, but also maybe in terms of governance within DAOs? How does it need to be, you know, rigid? Does it need to be flexible? Like, from your experience, have you found that there are places where that one works better than the other? Or are we too early uh, to, you know, be too rigid in terms of how we, uh, you know, uh, support or develop these these projects? I don't think we're too early because... Um... You know, we're we're talking about like governing structures, and it's not like DAOs are new governing structures. It's not like you know the the concept of governance has not existed. And so, if we take a look at um, sort of previous instantiations of governance, what you want is a combination of rigidity and flexibility, right? You want to embed values in a rigid way, but the way those values manifest locally should be flexible. So, for example, let's take um, the way that the sort of United States government is, uh, you know, organized. There's rigidity in the sense that we have very clear balance of powers. We have a judicial branch, we have an uh, executive branch, and we have a legislative branch. And there's rigidity there because all of those branches keep each other in check, right? They have very defined powers over who can really do what, but. If you look within those organizations, there's quite a bit of flexibility around um, what you know. What is the current priority of those individual branches? So right now we have a, for example, we have a very fairly conservative uh, judicial branch because our Supreme Court is staffed by uh, people on the conservative end of the spectrum, and so the sort of culture. And values is flexible within that organization, but they they are part of a larger organization that has a more rigid structure. Um, so, you know, it, it's not a great answer, but I think the answer is both. You need to have rigidity and flexibility. It's just that you need to embed rigidity into the processes, but I think you can have flexibility in the execution. So, I guess looking at a more broader perspective. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges uh, going on now with DAOs? And you know, do you do you see kind of some emerging tools or thought processes for solving some of those challenges? Um, so we are definitely early in the the sort of like. DAO phenomenon, right? I think uh, if you sort of take a look at the broad use cases for crypto, you have uh, sort of DeFi as definitely the most evolved. NFTs are, you know, they had their moment in the spotlight um, earlier this year. Um, and, we, you know, we're seeing sort of evolution along the NFT space. And I think DAOs are kind of sitting there at the bottom, um, you know, not really explored, but we're starting to see um, something sort of bubble underneath the surface. And so some of the core, I think, problems we, we are noticing are one is that tooling is, um, very sort of immature, right? Um, there's 
not a lot of like automation around what DAOs specifically need to uh, accomplish. And a lot of that stuff still happens at the social level, right? Um, by social level, I mean like decisions and uh, you know payments and um, governance still happens through sort of conversation and individual people enacting the will of the DAO, right? Um, and so we're starting to see some tools built around making that stuff uh, automated. Um, so sort of some of the things that come to mind are, you know, uh, like uh, Orca Protocol, um, DAO House. We're definitely seeing a, uh, a, a minor explosion around DAO tooling because there's a need for that. The other aspect, uh, so there's two more things that kind of come to mind. One is compensation, right? I think that is like one of the most challenging questions in DAOs because in a traditional organization, your compensation is very clear, right? You get paid a salary. You have your roles and responsibilities and some weeks it's busier, some weeks it's less. Um, you have your benefits and, you know, you, you go and do your job and then that's, you know, you have this steady stream of income. But that is a very small minority of DAO contributors that have that steady of an income. Um, and the reason is because like DAOs are open to all, right? There's no, some DAOs have some type of barriers. Uh, you know, they might be like token gated, but um, DAOs are trying to sort of capture the uh, sort of enthusiasm and activity of an entire community. And so you need to have varying strat like stratified layers of how people can get remunerated remunerated for the work that they're putting in based on the amount of effort time um, they're able to commit and so we're you know there, there's sort of like two um that breaks down i think into two different categories one is compensation valuation which is how do we actually value the work right do we for example um do we have a base salary or like a base, uh, you know, like hourly rate that we pay people. Do we modify that based on levels of expertise? Do we modify that based on uh, location, right? So someone in India get paid the same as someone in New York City. Um, and so that's sort of like the valuation part. And the other part is compensation distribution, right? And I think here is like, there's there's a lot more innovation and sort of interesting stuff happening of how do we actually get that uh, you know, get those tokens, get that value out to the contributors, right? And so in the traditional model, it's very top down. It's like your boss says, you know, here's your salary. Um, you know, they might say, here's your bonus for the year, but uh, that type of stuff doesn't really work in a decentralized organization because that hierarchy doesn't really exist, right? It, um, and so we're seeing like sort of these peer-to-peer ways of um, distributing value. Whether that's something like coordinate, uh, or you know, I've I've been parts of certain circles where we have a pool of capital and we all decide amongst ourselves how do we want to split that up, right? And and basically, like we, we're setting our own compensation, which is really like abnormal if you're not um, part of if if you haven't really been part of the Web three ecosystem. And the final category I think is like one of the you know bigger problems is like onboarding, right? How um, how do you capture people's attention and retain their attention and plug them into the right places where they can provide the most amount of value? And how, and, and more importantly than that, it's like, you know, 
how do you um, communicate the the shared set of values and the shared story of all the people in the DAO? Because one of the things that you'll inevitably come across is like, as your DAO grows and scales, the people that are coming in are missing a lot of context that has shaped the DAO to what it is today. And so trying to um, communicate that shared story, that shared secret, if you want to call it, um, I think is like an incredibly important um, sort of primitive that I think DAOs are, are, are not struggling, but uh, definitely need to pay closer attention to. Yeah. Um, well, I think to that last point, I think having a strong mission to guide the DAO and anybody who's joining it based on any type of alignment uh, speaks, uh, you know, or brings a lot of value to that in terms of like anybody new to that point who's coming in and is missing that context. I think if you have a very clear mission, which missions don't change often, so they should be able to at least, I believe, get a good sense of what the DAO stands for and the work that they're trying to accomplish. Uh, but I agree. I think that there's uh, a few things that are missing in terms of like how we can best um, activate people who are interested and take them from just maybe a spectator role to a contributor role uh, and then to a core contributor role, which I think is what a lot of people would like to to do is to have an impact uh, you know, in that organization that is, uh, continues to grow over time based on their contributions and their reputation. Um, and I think this speaks to something that you tweeted about recently, uh, where you, I believe it was a retweet of uh, someone else's post in terms of token weights versus reputation, um, and how we can better leverage people's participation as part of that voice and governance of DAOs. Uh, my last question is, what does the future hold for Bankless DAO? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so I think there is, you know, I, I think a lot of people have their own version and vision of what Bankless DAO looks like. Um, some will say that Bankless DAO looks like a, you know, media empire, right? Or a media DAO, uh, where our core competency is um, using media as a way to educate people and onboard people into crypto. Some people may say that Bankless DAO is a social DAO. It's a place where you can come to learn and hang out and be a part of a community that has um, sort of a shared enthusiasm around crypto. I think Bankless DAO is the future of work, which encompasses, in my opinion, both of those uh, definitions and sort of um, scope of Bankless DAO and more. I really think that the funnel of Bankless HQ as an incredible newsletter and podcast that just continues to grow at uh, a mind-blowing rate will funnel talent into the Bankless DAO. And what excites me the most is how can we capture that talent and create avenues for people to slowly either quit their job or reduce commitment so that they can work within this DAO and have a steady flow of income. And so I think that's why um, 
one of the things that personally I've been focusing on, and you know, this is uh, sort of an evolving discussion, is like I think we should focus on projects that bring in revenue because after you achieve a certain degree of growth, then those projects can sort of sustain themselves to the point where they can uh, sort of manage their own treasury and they can grow their own team and they can hire you know people full-time if they need to, um, or they can invest into new ideas and new projects and sort of manage their sort of local um, their local scope of work. And having more instances of that and having a diversity of like interesting projects that people can plug into will allow people to that join the DAO to find their own niche. And so I don't know if that really like answers your question, but like, you know, I, I really see sort of bankless DAO as as the future of work, where you set your own hours, you work at the pace that you want to, you can choose projects you want to participate in. Um, you know, once you complete one assignment, you can move to to another, you can take time off. Um, it's it's global, right? So it's not like restricted to just one location or another. I think it would be great. You can like find a way to provide benefits or um, you know, have like a sort of shared compensation like strategy. But it's gonna like point is like it's gonna take a lot of work to get there. And I think we're still at a point where um we have a lot of growing pains and we have a lot of existential coordination failures. Um, but once we get out of this sort of phase of growth, right, I think like there's really no stopping bankless style for what it can do. We just need to build the right rails to enable people to join the DAO, plug into the right place and feel comfortable, um, making that leap into crypto. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please go to bankless.community and on Twitter at BanklessDAO. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.